Hey, this is Max, and this is The Uncommon Truth, where we are in search of the church the way Jesus meant it to be. Today on the show, I am joined by Danielle Devine. Danielle's been part of the Father's House since its inception, and she's also got an awesome testimony and lots of stories to share about how this place has shaped her and and how she's shaped it. So we're really looking forward to hearing from her here just in a second. But before we get to Danielle, let me remind you how this podcast thing works. So we're here at The Uncommon Truth, and we're trying to come up with engaging and thought-provoking content for Christian audiences to kind of explore how the church is meant to be or, or just questions around that. And in turn, we need your help. If you're enjoying the podcast and all our guests talking about how they live a Christianity that works and and some of the theology behind that, then I would really love if you could go on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast from. iTunes works a little bit better. And just leave us a rating or review or both. That just helps us get a little bit more exposure in the podcasting world. That way, people who are looking for content like this but don't actually know about The Uncommon Truth yet, they'll see it pop up on their recommended podcast and they'll give us a shot. Another way you can help is by sending a link to your friends and family, other people that might enjoy the podcast, and tell them about why you like it. I'm going to be throwing that link up in the show notes below this episode, so all you have to do is copy and paste it into a text message or an email onto your Facebook feed or Instagram, wherever you can send out the word. And what that'll do is it'll automatically send anybody who clicks on it to the right page. So if you're on an Android phone, it'll send you to Google Podcasts. If you're on an iPhone, it'll send you to Apple Podcasts. If you're on a computer, it might send you to Spotify. So that would be a huge help. I'm also going to leave my email there in the show notes. That way you can send me some feedback about episodes that you've listened to or questions you might have for one of our guests and I'll try my best to answer them on the podcast. I'll also do my best to give you a little bit of a shout-out here on the podcast, so definitely go ahead and send me your emails. And now I'll introduce our guest, Danielle, and we'll get to The Uncommon Truth. Okay, so welcome here, Danielle. I've got uh, got to do your bio here, so I've done my best. Uh, Danielle's actually the person I pitched the podcast idea to, and I guess she was impressed enough because now we're here on episode 18 getting ready to record. So I guess that's good. So Danielle is from Orville. What you're She's, trying to tell them, Max, is I'm your boss. Right. Okay. Danielle's my <laughs> boss. And uh, so that's a little bit scary being on the podcast. Uh, she's on pastoral staff here at the Father's House. She's one of the leading scorers in Colorado, uh, California high school basketball history. She averaged 37 points per game in her junior and senior year. I typed 27. She told me that was for amateurs, so <laughs> make sure we get that right, 37. <laughs> that is not true. She's uh, one of the top five leading scorers in Arizona State history. That's where she went and played. She was an all-Pac-10 basketball player at ASU. And uh, she's also got a master's in education from, in higher education from ASU. So she's a smart cookie too. And she was projected to go number 12, I believe, in the WNBA draft. And now she's here in our nursery here at the Father's House Church, which is also doubling as our podcast studio. And she's going to tell us some of her story of how she got here. So thanks for joining us. Thanks, Max, for having me. I've been looking forward to this. 
You were uh, all like, hey, when am, when am I going to get on the podcast? Oh, hold on. No, this was pitched to me as a certain way. And I was like, hey, <laughs> just because I had a baby doesn't mean I can't talk. Because right. you know I can talk. That's right. Well, I'm okay. Tell, tell me about where you get that from. Because oh, I don't know Lord. if I didn't put this in your bio, but Danielle is Steve and Vicky's youngest daughter. So, so I, I guess that's where you get it from the beginning. I was 10 years old when my parents started the father's house. Okay. Um, and it was a, it was crazy. It was quite a culture shocking experience because they didn't just start a middle class, you know, church in the beautiful part of town. They came down yeah. to the ghetto, uh, the area actually we had never been in. So yeah, so I'm Stephen Vicky's daughter. And if I talk a lot, that's my dad's fault. So, okay. Well, yeah. he, he's going to listen to this. So <laughs> in about a week or so if he comes up and yeah. and gives you a flick or something hey, you know what i'm a i'm a thorn in his foot anyway so might as well keep it going yeah so take that out so okay <laughs> yeah how'd you get here i want to hear that story because i think it's really powerful yeah so i was super blessed to get a full ride scholarship to play basketball at arizona state and um that was an incredible experience and so i was living in arizona in tempe uh going to school and I met my husband, Derek, at a Fellowship of Christian Athletes camp in Flagstaff, which was an awesome story, maybe for another day. And um, We met and just fell in love, basically, at first conversation. He, was at, the, at that time, was trying to uh, make it as a quarterback in the NFL. He had just uh, gotten cut from the Redskins. He had been with the Seahawks before that. And so um, that was an exciting time for us. He was, uh, able to watch my entire senior season at Arizona state, which is super special. And he was working out down there. And then, um, that following July, we got married and I had graduated college and, you know, I was projected to go in the WNBA and, um, had the ability to play on many overseas teams. But when you're getting married and you're both, you know, athletes, you kind of just have to make some hard choices. And I knew that, two professional athletes weren't going to be able to have a healthy marriage. So I kind of, uh, just laid that down and we followed after his dream for a long time. Um, and when we had prayed about it, we had really believed that, um, we were supposed to pursue football and we had heard God clearly. We had asked God, like, are we supposed to do this? He said, I definitely want you to pursue football. And so that's what we did wholeheartedly. Um, our first year of marriage, uh, was right after my senior season and we had, to live in a bedroom in my friend's house in Arizona. Not exactly um, your ideal first no, year no, marriage, no, no. right? You know, I just, I'm fresh off a master's degree, you know, fresh off of basketball and yeah. the high life kind of, you know, and mm-hmm. um, we were just struggling. I mean, we, uh, I worked at Costco um, to make ends meet. He worked at Dick's Sporting Goods and he was working out and doing incredible things like throwing Larry Fitzgerald and all these amazing Yeah. Um, athletes and it was you know if you know Arizona or Phoenix at all it's a hotbed for athletes so it was a cool experience but God had just said no just keep pursuing this keep pursuing this and we just kept trusting him and um, his phone rang about a year after you know about a year after we were married Um, his phone rang and he got an offer to play in Virginia in a um, like a it's it's called the UFL it was like a semi-pro it was pro but it was like the minors kind of to the NFL and he got to play for Marty Schottenheimer. But anyway, so we, he gets that phone call, and I wasn't allowed to go to training camp. And so I thought, hey, you know, I'll just head up to California, hang out with my parents for the summer by the pool, you know, <laughs> just chill yep. and let my mom cook me dinners and just, you know, live 
live the good life. And so I took all our stuff and moved up there. And this whole time, uh, you know, I don't have one friend I remember from high school or anywhere saying that they loved Orville or they wanted to be in Orville or anything. Orville had a terrible reputation. Uh, it was kind of like, get me out of here. Mm-hmm. And so I had that mentality too. I never wanted to come back to Orville. I had no aspirations of living or working in Orville. There's just really nothing here for, you know, a kid like me. And that's what I believed. And so there was really nothing th- that in me wanted to be here. Yeah, time. you kind of had your just, sights set. Yeah. You know, like that's your launching pad, but you yeah. don't need to come back, right? Yeah. So, and Derek had always said, I, I'm never going to work for family. I'm never going to work in ministry. And I'm never going to live in Orville. Those were his three things that he used to tell me all the time when we <laughs> were first married. So anyways, I, I come back with all of our stuff. I load up the car, come back. He goes to Virginia. And um, about six weeks into the season, the league folded. <laughs> so Great. Um, we ended up in Orville with all of our stuff. And we're like, what do we do now? I mean, we were literally stuck here. And I'll never forget, uh, I call it my moment of insanity. And I, I characterize a moment of insanity of uh, the world views is just crazy, a decision that we have to make or a moment that we face that God asks us to just jump off a cliff mm-hmm. that we don't see the bottom to, you know? And so I had a moment of insanity where I was sitting at the stop sign close to the Father's house, and I heard almost the audible voice of God say, Danielle, you need to do what your parents are asking you to do. And at that time, they were asking you to start this business department and come work for the church. You which know, which hadn't been running at all, right? Not at all, no. We had no business department. The church ran two months behind its bills every month. We were, they're barely making it by. And so I'm sitting there, and they had been asking me to do this job for like six months. And so I was sitting there, and the Lord said, I want you to do this. And I said, well, okay, but Lord, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I don't have a degree in business. I don't know where to start. Like... I think he got the wrong girl, you know? And he said, that may be true. You may not know what you're doing, but I want you to do it. And I said, okay, I know your love language is obedience. I'll do whatever you tell me to do. But first of all, you're going to have to talk to Derek. (laughs) Yeah. This is everything he didn't want. And then you're also going to have to help me because I just don't even know where to start. And so uh, the story's almost over. I know it's kind of long, but... um, No, it's great. So we... I went home and told Derek, and he wasn't super excited about it at first, but, you know it was Jesus and he knew it was Jesus. And so that second year of marriage, we actually uh, lived in the, my old childhood bedroom in my parents' house making $200 a month. So you're just talking yeah, about so Max <laughs> <laughs> going from like, you know, the highest of highs being on in sports illustrated playing on ESPN, you know, my face was literally on car wraps, you know, mm-hmm. driving around town. And yeah. then I'm here in Orville living with my parents, making $200 a month for the church, you know, and I, that's how this whole business department started. Um, and that was in 2011. Okay. Yeah. So, so now kind of just for, for people who haven't like, aren't familiar with the father's house, maybe they've been listening, our new listener in Mm -hmm. Labrador and Newfoundland and Canada that we got last Mm -hmm. week. What tell them like what sort of things does the father's house business office do now? Just really quick, so they can see yeah. kind of that juxtaposition where so, where it came from. So and where I'm going to tell you a little story. We we are about to launch a um, NASA program on an elementary school campus that's just about four blocks away. It's in Southside. It's the uh, number one at risk school in the district. It has high you know rates of poverty amongst its students, mm-hmm. abuse amongst its students, and so we adopted that school. 
uh, last year. And now we're about to launch a program in September that's going to be sponsored by NASA. So it's a NASA-sponsored program where these kids are going to do a science experiment, and they're actually going to watch that science experiment be performed on the International Space Station by nice. astronauts. And so NASA is actually going to send them a certificate saying they're rocket scientists. This is an incredible opportunity for these low-income, uh, underprivileged kids. So the the experiment's actually happening on the space station, yeah. initiated by them in Oroville. Yep, at this wow. school that, you know, nobody... That we yeah. adopted. So 50, 50 years after the, the moon landing, yeah, and, yeah. Right? your dad was talking about that. He was all yeah, pumped about that was. as a kid. That's so, cool. Yeah. And so, but that happened, and this will kind of answer what you're saying. That happened, that NASA program happened because we adopted a school. Mm-hmm. And we adopted that school because we met the principal. And the reason we met the principal was because we had assemblies in every school in the district because we had a mud run. Right. A free kids' mud run. So, uh, you trace that back even farther because we had a Lord's Gym. So we have this gym that has, you know, 2,000 members. Yeah. And we have a Lord's Gym because Derek made 1,000 phone calls to get equipment. And we have that equipment because there was a little girl sitting at a stop sign who just said yes to Jesus. And, yeah. you know, now the business department's grown. Uh, we have a yogurt shop, a boutique. We have a helping hands, like a small jobs concrete crew. We have the Lord's Gym Mud Run. That's an obstacle course race that has 8,000 uh, racers and spectators. You know, it's grown in the last mm-hmm. five years from 150 to 8,000. It's pretty crazy. Uh, we have um, the Lord's Gym I already mentioned. And it's just this massive. We have a podcast. We have, yeah. you know, streaming services. Market, like our marketing advertising department's huge. So now it's like I have... 45 to 50 people that work in this business department that started, you know, in 2011 and it's just grown massively, but it's just what God can do with our yes. When we get out of the way, like all I did was say yes to Jesus. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know where to start. I didn't know even how to, what God wanted. And I just said yes. And I said, will you help me? And so there's obviously a lot of people that have contributed and helped make this happen. My dad's a huge contributor to the business department. Uh, Sarah Budd, obviously, she works for me. She has her master's degree from Cambridge. She's brilliant. Wow. Yeah, she she's is. really been integral. We're gonna get her yeah. on the podcast. Yeah. She's uh, she's on a tour around the world visiting siblings that are getting married, so she'll be back. Yeah. But she's been obviously super important to building this thing. So it's just this huge department. Um, I think in the first four years, uh, which I think your listeners would be interested to know. We were operating at a um, two months behind every mm-hmm. um, month on our budget. And in the first four years, we could quadrupled our income. Wow. In four years. So every year, it dealt, it whatever it was, it could quadrupled. So it was pretty a fun time. It's been yeah. a fun time. So b- the basis of the business side of the ministry is that it's people volunteering, mm-hmm. the church providing volunteers to these to these local businesses that are helping out feed money back into the right directly back into the ministries that are helping the community. Right. So it's the ministries and ministries around the world too. It's the, our businesses, you know, sponsor a lot of ministries uh, globally. So it's really cool. It's a really cool, uh, business plan, um, you know, for a nonprofit. So we, and and then from your, from your yes there and then, and Derek's yes Uh being here now there's like, now I'm here pitching a podcast to you and we're on episode 18 and my wife until she got too pregnant to work yeah. uh has been the front desk worker yeah. you know at the at the gym and during the afternoon yeah. she's in the school of transformation and 
there's all those all those other people that have joined your yes and said yes by laying down their lives right. and and they all work as volunteers that's how the how how it works yes, right the students obviously as part of their curriculum and stuff mm-hmm. but it's incredible max like i was thinking the other day the only requirement of the disciples what they just said yes you know right. and i'm sure with like john and james like it must have just been crazy to have this big fishing company and have some guy come up and just say follow me and just drop everything and that's really what derek and i did we dropped everything there what there's a story i love this is my favorite story um that's ever happened to derek and i but when we said yes to come work here at the church we were still pursuing football mm-hmm. and um Derek was working four t- working out four times uh, a week, throwing with guys, you know, sending his film out and doing all that. He was just really pursuing it. And at that time, he was mentoring a guy named Nick. And Nick had failed our recovery program uh, the first time around. He was a meth addict, an IV meth user, so mm. he was really intense into it. And Derek started working out with him at the Lord's Gym. We just opened it. And they'd been working out for four or five months, and uh, Derek's phone rang. And it was a team in Arizona, and they had asked Derek to come be their quarterback. And we were so excited because God had told us to pursue this after all. Like, it was like, this is it. This is now our real yeah. calling can happen. Back to you Arizona. Know? Yeah, like yeah. our real calling can, you know, happen. We can really affect people now, really have influence and have a little money. That was going to be yeah. nice. Yeah, and you're you're probably like, oh, good. You know, this time in Oroville yeah. was like, wow, it's so trying, God. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I see how you've come through for after us now. After a year. Now. It was yeah. only a year. Oh. Well, it was a year in Orville, a year in Arizona, so. Yeah. Uh, so we uh, ran home to our little apartment. At that time, we had just moved into, like, a low-income apartment. Fancy. And we were sitting on the floor, and, and, and I thought, you know, Derek, maybe we should just pray about it. So we closed our eyes, and um, Derek asked the Holy Spirit. He said, Holy Spirit, you know, is it okay if I go to Arizona to play? And the Holy Spirit said, yes, Derek, absolutely. Like, I'll bless you to go play in Arizona but what about Nick? And Derek had remembered the story that Nick told them when they were working out about the Christmas before Nick had been so miserable. He just didn't even get up. He just stuck his neck over the bed and mm-hmm. shot uh, meth into his neck and just went back to bed. And uh, Derek said to the Holy Spirit, I, I just don't think he'll make it. Yeah. And the Holy Spirit said, yeah, Derek, he might not make it. Uh, but no matter what you choose, whether you go or you stay, I'll bless you either way. And I'll never forget sitting there and Derek opened his eyes and he looked at me and he said, I can't go. And he had tears in his eyes. And I, and I said, what, what do you mean you can't go? This is what we've been working for. You've been right. working out four times a week for years to do this. Uh, what do you mean we can't go? And he said, Nick will die. I don't think Nick will make it. I mm. can't leave. And I just knew that it was the death of his dream. Like he wasn't going to get another shot. And at that point, we had no idea whether Nick was going to make it if we did stay. Yeah. There was just no way to know. No guarantee. uh, That was a pivotal moment. That was another moment of insanity for us. Um, It was just like, you know, at that point, like I said, we had a $500 car with two different car doors. You know, we were making $200 a month, living in low-income housing. We're just living on faith. And uh, he turned that down. And Nick today built every obstacle for the mud run. He's married one of my best friends. They've been married. Yeah, Jessica was on the podcast, right? Jessica, yep. He runs our small jobs crew. Um, And he's just a mountain of a man. He's actually going to be the assistant director of Life Recovery Ministries pretty soon. Wow. 
And it's just like, look what God can do just with a yes. And what's crazy is a lot of Christians told us we were crazy, Max. Like, yeah, it was just like, why would you give up all that influence? You could have led so many people to Jesus. You could have done this. You could have done Mm -hmm. that. And at the end of the day, all that really matters is just saying yes to him and trusting him and getting out of his way, you know, when he wants to do it. So I think that story, I think, is what really has defined our our journey so far. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of fruit that's come from it, and I wouldn't have changed our decisions for anything. Yeah, that's really interesting that you said a lot of Christians were the ones that were were telling you that that was a crazy decision because I think think we experienced that too coming coming here. Like Mm -hmm. we've got two kids, and and we're a couple weeks away from having our third, and— and we're kind of we're kind of in that position where if Jesus doesn't come through for us, then then we're kind of hung out to dry a little bit, you know. If if the community that that we believe He's called us to isn't the right one, or or if uh, His plan isn't isn't what we thought it was, then it's not going to work very well for us. And and we get actually reminded more by Christians that we know than by you know my family doesn't my family doesn't believe. Mm-hmm. And they're like, wow, okay, so there's some Christians that are at least trying to do what Jesus. Yeah. Not that we succeed all the time, but it's just really interesting. I think it doesn't matter what area of life you're in, whether you're a multi-million dollar businessman or, you know, raised on the streets. When you become a Christian, it's just basically how much do you trust him? Mm. Do you, like, put your money where your mouth is? Do you really trust him at the end of the day? Yeah. do you trust him to come through for you? Will you give up, you know, what the world says is valuable yeah. to do the things of God? And um, these aren't easy decisions. Yeah. I mean, they, but really, I believe that God's love language is obedience. Yeah, you he said says that in your you, story. Yeah, if you love me, you'll obey me. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he lays it out really simply, and he really gives a lot of credit to people that obey him. So that's that's been our our operating procedure will just, will obey you no matter what we're with yeah. you. Like, and it's so funny cause now we work for family, work in ministry, live in Orville. Yeah. And so don't say you'll never do something cause it could come back and bite <laughs> yeah. you in the butt. Well, it's cool. Cause it's not like, maybe at the time it felt like, well, you know, God's just pulling those things because I said I wouldn't, yeah. but now I've, I've seen you guys, I've seen your, mm-hmm. your three kids, you know, two girls and a, and your son and, and you guys have you guys have a really rich life, yeah, right? And and so I I don't know about you, but it it doesn't seem like it's something you'd want to go back and change, no. right? You know, God bless us with a house uh, that we didn't deserve. We got it for under value. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't even really. He just takes care of us. When people talk about the prosperity, they talk about riches and money, and I just don't see that. I I see prosperity as being prosperous in everything, like having peace having the fruits of the spirit. Like I had a friend pass away recently and it was just like, you know, it made me really think about, well, how were the fruits of the spirit being manifested in their life? Cause they Mm -hmm. said they were Christians, but were the fruits of the spirit manifesting in their life? And I I didn't know the answer. Mm -hmm. And so it's just, that's the abundant life is having the fruits of the spirit manifested in your life. You know, having good relationships, lots of friends that are deep, meaningful friendships and, having a good marriage and having kids that are healthy and happy, you know, yeah. they're well-disciplined, but happy and, and adventurous. So 
I don't know. You know, our story isn't done yet. We have a five-year-old, a three-year-old, and a, a newborn. He's yeah. six months. He's awesome. Uh, Just started crawling. Yeah, he That's did. Great. So I have two girls and a boy, and my girls are amazing. Yeah. I'm so blessed. But, uh, you know, our story's not finished, and there's going to be more times where we're going to have to face more moments of insanity, and mm-hmm. the test is on. Like, what will we say? Yeah. You know, just just say yes. That's my, if I could get your listeners to say, to know anything, I would say, just say yes. Like, mm. who, no matter how crazy it looks, if you know it's from God, say yes. Yeah. Even if it's not what you're called to do. Like, I wasn't called to come to Orville and start a business department. That's not what my prophetic words were. I, I didn't get one prophetic word saying, you're moving back to Orville to start this and do this. Yeah. I just decided that my the prophetic words weren't the Lord of my life, that he was the Lord of my life, and I would do whatever he said. And actually, I'm a lot closer in destination to my prophetic words than I yeah than I ever have been. So Yeah. Yeah, I I think one one thing that a lot of listeners who maybe maybe aren't in our church here cuz this isn't a mega church. This isn't I know it's not I know, a mega church by numbers, but right. we have mega influence. Yeah, we affect like fifteen to thousand, twenty thousand people a month. The uh, the audio quality of this podcast might sound like it comes from a mega church, <laughs> or maybe it doesn't. But the there's not a huge number of us here, but because of that, yes, and because of a lot of the things that have happened, there is a huge influence. the The mud run attracts you know thousands of people and. Yep. And the uh, the food bank feeds thousands of people. I know part of my job in the business department is marking down the numbers of people we impact every month, and it's in the twenty to thirty thousand range every month. And it's really really cool to see that. But one one thing that I really picked up on is people people don't know much about the church, or, or the, those who don't are probably thinking, okay, well here's another pastor in in Steve or Jordy that are they've they've got a lot to say. But it's hard from being from far away, listening to that, to know what is this like. And here we have your your Steve's daughter, yeah. and you gave up your dreams to listen to Jesus and to follow His dreams, follow His vision for your life. And and that's a that's a bigger testimony than anything that he could say on a podcast or from a pulpit, right? Absolutely. It's like you know, don't let your words say who you are. Let your life speak for you. Yeah, you know? and and my dad's really who he says he is. That's the thing is, is like, you know, he talks and he <laughs> it's maybe sometimes too much, but yeah. maybe not. <laughs> I can't talk. I've been talking quite a bit on this <laughs> podcast, but uh, he is a man of incredible character, and I've seen my dad give his money away to the point where it caused him to lose everything, you mm-hmm. know, and that's a miraculous story maybe for another day but he just is who he says he is he's not someone behind closed doors that is different than the pulpit yeah and his life speaks louder than his and he and he's really good at teaching and his life in my opinion speaks louder than his teachings yeah and and it's you're like you're not alone in your family your your brothers and sister are also are also serving the lord and loving the lord right absolutely Uh, they're grown and and it's it's great to see. I know for me, as I've got th- my kids as well, I want them to grow up to love Jesus and to serve Jesus. I want that. I want to equip them to serve Jesus better than I have, right? Uh, so I guess that's the, that's the thing that struck me is that the father's house, and probably one of the things that like why we moved here was it's not just a different theology, even though it is. It is a different theology. It's not just that, but it's actually it's lived out 
in in lives and and it's it's a whole community living out that same sort of thing everything from church on sunday church on wednesday to you know we're having a baby shower for my wife tonight and and the the amount of effort that's gone into that by the the people here is just amazing to see it's such a blessing to us we feel so loved yeah it's just it boggles my mind though max that people think that this is a different theology right all this is is the gospels Mm -hmm. and i just wrote a book about this so i'm We'll have you. We'll have you on when it when yeah. it comes out. And we'll, it's called the we'll radical truth. And basically, I just studied what does the gospel, what does the New Testament really say? Mm-hmm. And it just baffles my mind that people would be so challenged by what they hear on this podcast, by what we're preaching, because it's literally from the gospels. Yeah. And the new covenant. It's not like some radical, you know, theology. So it's just interesting for me. Yeah, it's it's almost become radical because. Not because it, well, it was radical when it was new 2,000 mm-hmm. years ago, but it, it shouldn't be radical for people who call themselves Christians, right? right? And that's what, that's what was a wake-up call for me. It, it should like, be standard. It's like, wow, okay, I guess I just haven't been paying attention right. for, you know, for Yeah, and I'm years. a millennial, right? I'm only 32. So yeah. the, the truth is the reason why the Holy Spirit had me write that book, I didn't plan on it, but was because I wanted millennials to get back into the Bible, like mm-hmm. we get millennials are getting there and, and even younger generations are getting their theology from social media memes. They're getting them from, yeah. um, you know, famous speakers post those little inspirational quotes. They're getting them yeah. from one minute videos. They're getting them from preachers who don't even open their Bible or mm-hmm. even if they do, like they might be confused and we, they're not matching it up to the words of Jesus. So it's just causing this great confusion Yeah, and everybody's wanting to be relevant. And so they're changing their using the Bible to fit their ideologies instead of getting their ideologies directly from the Bible. And so that, that's the big thing is people are just, especially young people yeah, are not in their Bibles. And that's where you can see, you can see what happens, what, what, like the logical outcome of, of your theology mm-hmm. based on how you live. And that's what, that's just the nerdy way of what yeah, your dad based always on says. Emotions based on yeah. how you live, based on how you feel like it, like, uh, I was talking to someone recently about how it's so important to live righteously and to try attain, perf- try to be perf- perfect, even mm-hmm. though you're not going to be, to not use that as an excuse. But, right. and they basically said, no, I don't believe that. And I brought up like 25 scriptures on basically saying exactly what I was saying from the new Testament. And they're like, Oh, well that sounds good, but I just don't believe it. Now mm-hmm. come to find out six months later, we found out that there was secret sin in that person's life. And yeah. so that shapes, that shapes, uh, theology, you know, guilt yeah. and shame shapes. And it's just like unfiltered theology. Christian theology is just so powerful. Mm-hmm. So powerful. And, and just having it lived out is proof because basically that's what your, your dad always says, follow people of good fruit. Right. Mm-hmm. And good fruit is, is n- not just internal, like peace and joy mm-hmm. and the fruit of the spirit, but it's also the people that you're, you're leading. Right. Right. And so that's, that's the stuff that we saw when we came, we came for this wedding yeah. and it was like, it's a completely different, yeah. a completely different church, a completely different community. Yeah. And I guess it had to be to kind of get us to move across the country. Yeah. But like we're still exploring it and we, we're still finding new, new things and new expressions. Yeah. And and having good leaders doesn't mean that your leaders are going to be perfect because if you look for a leader to fail you, they will 100%. Right. Because even though they're aiming to live righteously, even though they're aiming to be like Je- perfect like Jesus is perfect, even though they're aiming to 
be the best, they're not going to make it all the time. And Mm -hmm. so uh, the good fruit thing is super important, but it can't be confused with perfection. You can't expect a leader to be perfect, but you got to see that on their tree, there's good things coming out of their branches. There's got to see that their money doesn't control them, that their kids love Jesus, that they, you know, they're really striving to enter through the, you know, the narrow door, that they actually have produce of, uh, the physical works, not just spiritual works, but physical works. Like, are they serving? Are they, you know, putting other people's needs before themselves? Mm -hmm. Are they living selflessly? That kind of stuff. And uh, sometimes I think people confuse perfection with good fruit and they're totally different. Right. Well, I, I appreciate that because I think, I think it lends a lot of credence to Steve and just the things he says on this podcast, or if, if people are going back and, watching the YouTube videos of his sermons, which you should do because they're really cool. He's a great, great preacher. And, and your mom actually preached this weekend too, you know, while we were on the men's retreat, the ladies took over and, and it was, you know, it's, it's all good stuff, but it gives people this like, okay, it's not just coming from Steve. It's not just coming from Jordy. It's coming from people who have lived this out. right? Right. And, uh, a lot of people don't think that this lifestyle is possible. Yeah, or and sustainable. I'm here, and I'm here to tell you that it is. I'm here to tell you that nine is more than ten, just like Jesus said in the Bible. I'm here to tell you that the life of faith is possible. I'm here to tell you that Christianity looks completely opposite than mm-hmm. the world system. So if your life looks like people who aren't Christians, then you really got to take a good look at yourself because Christianity looks nothing like the world. The world operates on a system of justice. Christianity operates on a system of grace, you know? Mm-hmm. And... um what the world values, God doesn't value. And so we have to really be careful that we're not mixing two ideologies. Right. We have to be trying to live in the world, covenants. but not of the world. Yeah. Yeah. I know we're looking forward to having our own stories of living here. We, we already have some, you know, like yesterday, a bunch of baby stuff just showed up at our door because somebody heard that we're having a baby, right? Aww. This is pre shower, yeah. pre baby shower. We'll get more than I am sure. Yeah. But, uh, just, yeah, we, we don't have a spot to sit in our living room because we're sorting diaper packs oh from, gosh, you know, so newborn cool. to yeah. number ones and number twos and everything. And uh, so we have these little stories, but we're really looking forward to, we're looking forward to how we get a new car to fit all our family. And yep. so any day now, any podcast now, we'll be telling you about our story, but we're, we're just following your dad's advice to say, don't do anything without Jesus telling you, yeah. you know, if Jesus tells you to go finance a, a car and, and he'll provide the way, then do that. If yeah. Jesus drops a car in your front yard, don't turn your nose up yeah. at it, right? <laughs> and, but it's gonna it's gonna yeah. happen, and it's gonna be a, a door that no man can close yeah. that God has opened, or um, or there. I mean, and try to go through a door that that He's closed. That yeah, you know, you know what I'm trying to say. Preconceived notions are almost number one the killer of faith. So we we try to decide for God what our path will look like, and. Mm. My story, the number one thing is don't decide what your path is going to look like because there isn't one path to where God wants to take you. If you believe there's only one path to where God wants to take you, then you really believe in a teeny little God. And yeah. my God holds the world in his hands and he, you know, he orchestrates everything. He can talk to everybody at the same time, tell them different things. Like, it's just like, he's so big. And so like with our generation, especially it's like, no, I'm called to Africa. I can't help in kids, you know, like, yeah. like they're telling people people know they won't serve because that's not their calling. But what Jesus says is just say yes. I mean, if you look at the gospels, the message of the gospel is say yes 
do what, you know, give to any man who asks, just do it, you know? And it's yeah. like what God can do with a, a servant's heart is incredible. And you never know what God wants to do through working through kids to get you to Africa. Mm-hmm. You just never know. Like you never know where he wants to take you. And like I said before, there's not one path yeah. to where God wants to take you. Or if you're, if you're not willing to say yes to one Sunday of volunteering yeah. in kids, then why would God entrust you to... A whole life of servitude of, you know, somebody overseas. Yeah, I I really try hard not to say no to anybody. And people are like, well, how does that work? It's like, you know, the Bible says give to any man who asks. And it's like, that's not possible, Danielle. Well, have you ever tried? Because I have, you know. (laughs) Like, it's like you haven't ever tried and you're saying it's impossible. And the truth is not a lot of people ask me. And I'm sure if I keep preaching this, there's going to be a lot more people yeah. asking me for things. I won't put your email on the on the podcast show notes. <laughs> but, but no, it's fine because I trust Jesus. You. So that's it. It's like just the impossible with God is possible. But mm-hmm. we get in the way so much. Like we get yeah. in his way so much. Yeah, we define what's possible. Mm-hmm. And then we only ask for that, right? Yeah, and we decide what our path needs to look like instead of just getting out of the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think people ask us, how long are you going to be here? How long is your family going to be here? Like, how long is it going to take for you to learn what you came here to learn and then go your own way? You know, coming from running a summer camp and and that sort of stuff. And I I kind of at first thought, because we don't have an answer, like, well, we'll we'll be here until we're we're told to go somewhere else. And and people don't like that answer. Like, you you don't have a five year plan, 10 year plan. It's like, no, I, I don't feel like I need one because I, you know, I feel like I'm going to be, I'm in, I'm in the center of his will because I'm going after him. I'm going after doing the things he asked, he's asked me to, I'm trying to determine the things he's asked me to do for him and, and then just do them. Mm-hmm. And even if I don't do that perfectly, I'm, I'm going after it. And so I'm going to just keep doing that until I'm like hit with a brick and told to do something else. Right. Yeah, Definitely. And I think that's a, a great way to live in. The world system will tell you that's impossible. And I think, like I said, a lot of Christians have bought into that system, right? Financial stability. Um, and I'll probably get a lot of flack for saying it, but, you know, having to have backup plans, having to mm-hmm. have plans and plans and plans, you know, it's like, well, you know, I don't know. I just think God's a lot bigger and yeah. I can trust him a lot. And we're, so, so we're going, we're, doing that now we're you know we won't have a backup plan we don't have a backup plan here we could always pick up and move but that's you know it's so character building and faith building Mm. to just say okay what what we got this week is going to come from you and he hasn't let us down yet and and the more we keep that face faith muscle sort of growing like right now it's like the size of a pinky but but soon, you know, maybe it'll be the size of a, yeah. a hand or a forearm yeah. <laughs> or something. And then uh, then one day I'll be as buff as your husband, Derek, right? Maybe. My husband's pretty I don't know. Buff. Probably. Pretty I won't. Not, not physically, but, you know, maybe. <laughs> so. I'll, leave, I'll leave your listeners with this. Quit defining what's possible. And you know the Bible says all things are possible with him. And all things are possible for those who believe. But how far does your belief really go? Like, you tell me that it's not possible to just trust him with your finances. And I'm telling you that I know it is possible because I've done it. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you say it's not possible to not have plans. Well, it's possible. And so stretch what you believe is impossible. Tr- how far does your trust really go with God? You say We say we trust him, but do you really? 
you know, do we really trust him? And I'm preaching to myself because I still have a long way to go with this. You know, yeah. I trust him with my kids, trust him with their health, trust him with all types There's of There's always going to be something else. There's that always going to be something that you have to grow. And so that would be my challenge for all you millennials, all you people out there that uh, are Christians. It's like, what, what are you not trusting God with? And will you just say yes to him? Mm-hmm. Will you just do it? Even if you're afraid, even if you think that it doesn't add up. We just do it and see what happens. Cool. Well, I appreciate it. I think a lot of people will find those stories, you know, really, really enlightening and impacting. I know I have. They're, I don't know if you can tell. It's not the first time I've heard them, listeners. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I really appreciate it, Danielle. Thanks yeah. for joining us. Of course. Well, I really hope that gives you, listeners, a better perspective of what sort of things go on at the Father's house and, and how the theology here that Steve espouses, how that actually works in real life. I know that's the biggest thing that my wife Sheree and I were looking for when we were thinking about coming here. We were looking for a place that not only focuses on what Jesus has to say, but actually puts that into practice. And I can't see or I can't think of a better way than seeing how Danielle and and her family have really taken the words of Jesus put them into practice, tried to say yes every single time, and then just see where it takes them. If you're listening to this podcast as you drive or do the dishes or or uh, cut the grass, kind of those are my favorite things to do when listening to podcasts, I would just encourage you to take a look at the Father's House. There's different ways that you can figure out what's going on here. You can keep track of our sermons on the YouTube channel. You can just keep listening to the podcast, but you could also check out our our short-term mission. Uh, It it was previously called Project 61. It's undergoing a rebranding. It's going to be called the Father's House Urban Mission Experience, and that's just basically a a one-week or more sort of get your feet wet here in Orville, see what Orville's like, see what the Father's House is like, get a chance to do a little bit of everything in our ministry and see if it's something that you could take home and apply to your own life. See if it's something that might encourage you to come and and join us for a while. That's how we got involved here. And I know there's a lot of people who have who have taken things that they've learned in in that sort of environment and taken them back and, and produced a lot of fruit where they came from. So I'll have some information about that urban mission experience in the show notes. Look for that there. You might also be interested in our School of Transformation. That is starting here on September 2nd, our fall winter term. It's six months. It's, uh, it's, I've gone through it. My wife is going through it right now, is about to graduate. And it's an, a really great way of finding out who Jesus is and who he says you are and what that means for how you live your life. We've spoken to a few people. We've spoken to Johnny and Jessica and Yos, I guess they all start with J. I didn't plan that. But they've all been through the School of Transformation, and they would say the same thing. They said that it's taken them from being confused about their Christianity to a place where they actually feel like they have knowledge of who Jesus is and, and what he's asking them. So if you're sitting there and you can't answer that question with confidence of who is Jesus who does he say that he is? Who does he say that you are and what you should do with that? The School of Transformation would be a great place to check that out. Really, what is six months of your life compared to the opportunity to 
find yourself in the center of God's will. So if that sounds interesting to you, I'll also have that in the show notes below this episode. The website is transformationschool.org. You can also get there from our our Father's House website, which is changeoraville.org. Oroville is spelled O-R-O-V-I-L-L-E, changeoraville.org. While you're checking out those show notes, you can also find our social media feeds, our Instagram and Facebook for the church and for our urban mission experience, as well as the School of Transformation. We sometimes just call it SOT. So you can find all that information in our show notes. And as I mentioned before, you can get my email address in the show notes and send me some feedback about this episode, other episodes you listen to, or questions that you might have for one of our our pastors or team members here. And I will do my best to shout you out on the podcast. I want to give a shout out to Aubrey. Uh, I spent the weekend with her husband, Seth, in the woods. And Aubrey's a listener to The Uncommon Truth. She goes to the Father's House Church, her and Seth and their son, Graham. So I wanted to say hi to them. Thanks for listening. And I'll just give you one final reminder. There is a link there in the show notes that you can use to share the podcast with anybody who has a pulse or a Wi-Fi signal or a cell signal. It'll work on Androids. It'll work on iPhones. It'll work on computers. Might even work on those little toy cell phones that your kids have. Just throw that link in a text message or an email or on Facebook, and whoever clicks on it will get the episode right on their phone or device. And that's about it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. This has been The Uncommon Truth.